0: little bit about myself is I I currently own and operate a large-scale cannabis company you know we cultivate we distribute b2b b2c um, a lot of marijuana every year and been doing it now for seven years founded a company right here in Arizona actually right next to the airport Um, founded the company there and um, that's kind of where I sit currently I'll go more into in depth into that later but you know, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, my parents were always entrepreneurs, so it seemed normal, right, to be an entrepreneur, to, you know, have conversations with your dad where he's saying, you know, this week we're not going out to eat. You know, this week we are going out to eat. Oh, we did really well this week, right? It's just, it's interesting to see that ride, right? And once, once you own and operate your own business, you kind of understand, right? There's ebb and flows. Sometimes things are going great. Sometimes things are going a little slow and sometimes you're stressed out and you don't know where you're if you're going to make it and then you end up making it and you learn from it. Right. And so, uh, growing up, I, I thought that was normal and I've just realized in the last five years that that's not super normal. You know, I think entrepreneurship is actually for people who are a little less normal than you'd think. You know, it's people who are willing to take risks, um, who are willing to, uh, to kind of take a leap of faith and see where it goes. And so, you know, normal, normal growing up except for that. Right. And, uh, my dad, he owned a, a Baskin Robbins, a, a, about nine stores in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so I got to see him, right, sell ice cream and what it takes to own a business and operate a business. And uh, when I was 13, um, he had always done the concessions. He always did the International Balloon Fiesta, the state fair and stuff like that. And he had come to me and said, hey, you interested in um, in?" making cotton candy for me because I want to I want to sell cotton candy at the fair and the balloon fiesta you know I was 13 and I had always worked for him from the time I was probably five six years old I was always scooping ice cream and by the time I was 13 I was actually getting paid to do it right and so I was like yeah I'll, I'll make the cotton candy well quickly that first year the other vendors of the at the state fair they took note rather quickly and they said hey will you make me some cotton candy so you know me Mr. Young Entrepreneur went back to my pops and I said hey you know, they want, they want me to make cotton candy for them and I can sell it to them for a dollar. They're willing to pay a dollar per bag and I can make it for 10 cents, you know? And he's like, really, you know, kind of didn't really, really know. He's like, yeah, you know, go for it. I'm like, so I'm going to buy, I told him like very clear, I'm going to buy the bags. I'm going to buy the sugar. I'm going to do the work. Right. And let's, I want to see how it goes. So that first, uh, state fair, I made two grand in two weeks. Right, and I remember going back to my pops. I worked my ass off that whole first two weeks. And I went back to my pops at the end of it, and I was beat. You know, I worked for him selling ice cream that whole week and then made cotton candy at night. And so I went back to my dad, and I'm like, Man, I made two grand. Like, I feel like that's pretty good. And he's like, What? Like, you know, like, wow, like, you did pretty good. You know, what are you gonna do? You know, I said, Well, I think I'm gonna try my luck at the Bloom Fiesta you know, the next, was the, a week after International Balloon Fiesta. If you've never been, it's awesome. It's totally worth checking out. Probably one of the only reasons why you'd want to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, but that's in October. And I did it again. You know, I did another two grand in, in that two weeks. And so it was quickly four grand as a 13 year old. I was like, man, then maybe there's something here, you know, and I thought about it for a little bit and, um, and I ended up, uh, kind of devoting my childhood life, <laughs> teenage life to it. Right. And so, I was 13 uh, doing that, and by the time I was 16, I had hired all my buddies, you know, in and out. They're all helping me make, I had scaled it up from that four grand in that month to doing about 150 grand cash that, that year that I turned 16. And the margins were crazy, you know, I wasn't paying taxes, right? I was just wholesale manufacturing cotton candy. <laughs> it was crazy, right? And so I was 16 years old, and um, I learned a lot of lessons. You know, I learned how to, how to mix business and family. You know, I learned how to manage other people. I learned how to be involved in a supply chain and what the supply chain meant for me. Um, you know, I, I didn't learn how to pay taxes. Right. And so it was all cash, <laughs> yeah. you know, taxes on the it, it was, it's just crazy to think about. Right. And, um, and I thought it was normal, you know, it was, it was, it seemed normal and, and uh it was a lot of sugar a lot of hard work I was doing a hundred percent of the manual labor with help right and it was you know it was daily my hands having to make that cotton candy and kettle corn um is what I added on when I was turned 16 and so I carried that out all through high school you know again thought it was normal it was just stacking cash in a safe and completely thought it was normal and by the time I was 18 right I was getting excited and I started to spend a little bit of money but was always very very frugal and um, and then I I went into college and uh, I went into college at the University of New Mexico and um, I had gotten a little bit discouraged you know I was like man I don't know about this being an entrepreneur I think I want to get a degree I think I want to go elsewhere and um, it led me led me to a few different paths. And so, um, you know, but when I was um, when I was in college, I got focused on getting a business degree, finance degree, learned a lot about numbers, how to manage capital, and you know, but um, tried to apply that to to my uh, to my business at the time. And so um, at that time, I I ended up getting a contract with the University of New Mexico football and basketball stadium and a couple other stadiums in Albuquerque. And uh, that story is kind of crazy. I told you that one. I'll elaborate on that one because I like that one. But, um, you know, long story short is I, I was a subcontractor selling cotton candy and kettle corn there from the time I was like 14, 15 to now 21. You know, I was a college student going to that college and I had always sold concessions there. But it was always me manufacturing the cotton candy and kettle corn. <clears throat> and when I was 21, I wanted to expand it. And so then I ended up opening up like the retail stores in the, in the stadiums where I was selling like hot dogs, the cotton candy, the kettle corn, all of that. And the margins were great. And um, the university had never sold alcohol ever in the history of the uh of any of their stadiums and that year they signed a contract decided to and the the board of directors for the university decided that's that they're going to sell alcohol so i went i went to them and i i asked if i could get the alcohol contract and they laughed you know literally laughed in my face they're like you think we're going to allow a 21 year old to sell alcohol to 21 year olds like you're crazy right and um and i kept pushing i'm like man i've been the longest tenured contractor you've had here, right? I've been here for like eight years now, you know, seven years. Like I, I think I deserve it. And they kept pushing me off, kept pushing me off. I ended up doing presentation after presentation, um, just to get no's. And I, at, that's when I started to get a little bit discouraged. I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm getting a degree. Cause I don't see this really panning out, you know? And ultimately after pushing, I think I met with them five or six times, you know, after the last time they said, you know what, if you can get insurance to sell alcohol, at the stadium, then we'll allow you to sell the alcohol. And so I beat the streets. I went and got <laughs> denied like 13 times to even get the insurance and I was discouraged again. I was like, fuck man, this, I might be done, you know? And so. Cause it's hard to get insurance. It, to get any type of liability insurance, much less to serve alcohol. I, it blew my mind, but yeah, it was very tough. Yeah. And so I got denied, after, uh, denied so many times that I didn't know what to do. I ended up calling my dad, right? And I always felt kind of weird, you know, asking my, my dad for help, but he was always so helpful, thank God. And I said, man, I don't know what to do, but, you know, your name is Anthony Sullins. My name's Anthony Sullins. What's your thoughts on getting the insurance for me? And I'll, I'll present this to the board. And he was like, sure. You know, he got it the first time. I ended up going to the board and saying, here's the insurance. And their face was just crumbled crumbled in front of me of like, fuck, like you got the insurance. And <laughs> so was, they didn't know no, that no you are that? No, no idea. I can't believe I did, did that did looking have back. like dram shop like, like reliability laws in New Mexico? Like, you, dram shop? Can, no. Yeah, yeah. No, they didn't. Can you get sued if somebody gets fucked up and does something stupid basically? Uh, yes, but what I found out with that is that I was not only covered under my insurance, I was also covered under the university's insurance. Nice. You know, and um, and so they ended up uh, they ended up kind of freaking out on me and said, All right, we'll give it to you. You know, I was fighting against some of the largest alcohol distributors in the state, um, and a couple of larger ones in the nation, right? And they actually gave it to me, right? And I was psyched. Felt like we earned it that first year I was twenty one years old, going to school, we ended up crushing it. And we sold so much alcohol at the university, it was awesome. Right? <laughs> people had, people had you know, so I, I was the guy selling your, your $20 beers, you know, $20 beers. And, and people hated me but loved me, right? Because I, I had an in with all the college students. And at the same time, you know, we were serving alcohol. So we were throwing crazy parties there at the, at the stadiums. Like, it was awesome. but And then it got tough. You know, I, that first year I got, I, I used to hire temp employees. I would pull in about 75 to 150 at a time just for the game. So it'd be in and out, I'd be temp employees. We'd hold on to maybe 15% of them the next week and every time they were new. So we would do two hours worth of training and then we would send them off and we would sell alcohol. You know, it was, very, it was, it was difficult. And um, you know, I had some instances that, that I thought were gonna set me back extremely. One of them, which I always love talking about is, I had a temp employee who was a veteran on a, using a cane, right? And he's at the cash register selling alcohol. And the line is, you know, forever down down the block just to buy your twenty dollars beers, and he uh, he ended up getting pissed off and cracked a tall boy over the customer's head, and so I'm at the other side of the stadium working with staff members, and I get a call like, hey hey hey, we need you now, we need you now, you know, blah blah blah, just just punched one of the customers. I'm like, what? You know, so I run over there. The paramedics are there. The cops are there, and. You know, I ended up turning into a big thing. Thank God it didn't turn into anything worse. But it uh long story short is you know I ended up having to go in front of the board and explain how things happen, why things happen, so it's not gonna happen again. And that one was very defeating, very scary. I thought I was done. And so I I um like I said, I was questioning being an entrepreneur, and um it's just you know, those setbacks, they're bound to happen, but some of them are scarier than others. And so I ended up uh, going and applying at Intel to be on their their finance team and got hired on and got to do a short stint there and, and uh, learn corporate finance. I got you know some advice from my dad that he, he told me he was like you should do both, right run your business and you know see what the corporate world is like and see how it goes and so that's what I did and um, I'm glad I did. I learned a lot right and I was I was on the side of well, maybe I don't need this business anymore you know, I had stacked a lot of cash and I thought that I would, you know, just sit on it, invest on it. Like, why double down? Why? Right. And uh, and so I was working at Intel and, you know, within the first three months, very quickly, it was, you know, a difficult situation. I didn't fit the mold. I was learning a lot, but was concerned, you know, I'm like, why am I not really gelling that well? You know, all those internal insecurities that you get when, when you face hardship you know and um and i had a big presentation that summer that i was presenting to my boss's boss and it was about if i can remember correctly it was um uh it was a new a new technology called like photo photosynthetic phototronics or something like that i can't believe i can't remember but that intel was just getting ready to launch and they had um hired they had me with doing the revenue models for all the tools that were going to be used for that launch of this new product. And so I I did this presentation and I started to go in depth about this is how it's going to affect the marketing side. This is what we could do on marketing, right? On operations, the way your tools are going to work. Now we can change it, change it here and you're going to save money here. And I went in depth in all these different departments and I got pulled out of this big presentation I had. And my boss tells me, AJ, Every time you present to us, you keep bringing up these other departments. How can it affect here? How can it affect here? We need you to solely just give us the model. Just tell us the numbers. That's it. That's what your job is. We don't want to hear anything else. You're wasting our time. Be an employee. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just so demoralizing. I was crushed, right? I thought I was bringing so much value in um, and that I was helping. And it was the opposite, right? And you know, I, I walked out of there like, shit, I'm glad I kept my business open you know, and, um, and so ultimately I, I was a little discouraged and, and I continue to work for Intel at that time, but I knew that, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Albuquerque, New Mexico, but it's, there's not a lot of young professionals there. It's a, it's a very old school city, you know, it's mostly real estate, you know, and there's a, there's a big ceiling for, for new businesses, young entrepreneurs. There's just, it's a cap there. There's not much that you can do. And I thought that, I had hit a cap with my own business. You know, I had gotten contracts with all the larger stadiums. Um, I had accomplished the goals I wanted to accomplish. And I had kind of self self-reflection of, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Cause this is probably all I could do pivoting here in Albuquerque is not going to work. Well, that year medical cannabis <coughs> had just gotten passed in New Mexico. And so um you know i i had always been a, a weed smoker you know from the time i was probably 10 11 12 you know always smoke. i don't know why i just did and my parents you know they right you know and my parents they left me alone because i had good grades and i was helping pay my mom's mortgage right you know i was paying her mortgage they didn't care right they're like hey if you're gonna work your ass off like you're doing smoke weed who cares you know don't get in trouble and um And so I ended up, uh, I ended up seeing that the medical marijuana got passed and I was like, man, I'd I'd really like to make a play in there. But, you know, I was scared to touch the plant. I was scared to sell weed, right? I never, never really sold weed. I always tried to avoid it because I didn't want to ruin what I had created with the cotton candy business. You know, we were doing about 150, 170 grand a year um, all the way up until, until that time when we started selling alcohol and I didn't want to ruin it. And so I was like, man, I'm going to create a business plan. It's going to be completely centered around cannabis, but packaging for cannabis. You know, I'm going to avoid this step. And, um, you know, looking back, the way, the way our paths are kind of are aligned is just insane. And so that year I created a business plan. I actually pitched it to one of my business professors. And the professor looked at me and was like, dude, I really think you should do this. I was like, I don't know. Like, I was kind of just doing this for the class. It was an entrepreneurial class. And he was like, no, I really, really think you should just give it a shot. You know, let's go to lunch. So I ended up going to lunch and he encouraged me a lot and was like, you know, I, I know your other business. I, I I think it's worth it, right? And I, I think the lesson learned there is to always get feedback from mentors mm-hmm. on all decisions. You know, it's so helpful just a, a conversation like this and, and uh, just to bounce it off of and get some perspective from someone else. But When you had all these sure. We were doing just under two million bucks a year okay. in gross. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty big business. it was, it was very big and it felt huge at the time. Yeah. Right. It felt like, I don't know if I could get bigger than this. Yeah. Right. And, um, and there was a lot of help that I had from, you know, from, especially my dad, it was a lot of help. And, and so I, I created that business plan and, um, I, I was thinking about doing that in New Mexico. Well, that summer, um, it was my sister's wedding and, I went to the wedding, had a great time. My uncle was there who I wasn't ever really that close with. He was a, an electrical contractor, also an entrepreneur. And he, um, he was at the wedding and he was actually moving to Chandler, Arizona that next day. Okay, And so um, I get a call at like 8 a.m. that next day and he calls me and he says, Hey, your aunt, his sister, not his wife, your aunt was supposed to help me move all my stuff to Chandler, Arizona, but her house burned down last night. I was like, Oh shit. You know, I had no idea he said, is there any way you can help me drive all my stuff to Arizona? So during that time, I, I, I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, I, I, he puts me in an 18-wheeler driving down, what's that, mountain uh, on the, the Payson route? That's literally like this. You know, driving a freaking semi-truck. Yeah. Coming down 87. Yep. It's so sketchy. So sketchy. And ex- I, I drove in the rain. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. sketchy. And driving that truck, too, I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, he had a full semi-truck. And I get there at eight a.m. and he says, "Hey, you drive your concessions trailer. You think you could drive this?" I'm like, "Dude, I don't know." And he's small. He's probably like five two. He's like, "Well, I sure as hell can't drive it." I'm like, "Who are you thinking was going to drive this, Aunt Christie?" You know, I'm like what? Just just a little bit you don't drive this thing. To, to take risks. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. And, um, and so I ended up on that trip, we got here, we got to Chandler and I ended up saying like, Hey, I'm thinking about starting a new business. What do you think? And I handed it to him and he laughed so hard in my face and he's like, well, do you know what I'm moving out here for? And I said, I assume electrical contracting. What else? You know? And he said, well, yes, but I'm doing it for, um, uh, some large cannabis facilities that cultivations that I'm doing the electrical for. And I was like, oh shit, really? You know, that's very interesting. Let's talk more. So. And so he, uh, he gave me some pointers on the business plan. And was like, hey, this is, a, this is a real need, you know. The, the business plan still the packaging. Packaging, yeah. And he's like, you know, it's a real need. You know, I think you should explore it more. And so that next week I'm working at Intel and they pull me aside and they say, we are condensing your team. You're the low man on the totem pole and you either have the option to move to Chandler, Arizona or you're going to lose your job. You know, and I'm like, I immediately told them no. I'm like, not interested in moving to Chandler. You know, that's not in my goals. I have my business here, right? My concessions business, not planning on leaving. And they said, we'll just think about it for a little bit, you know, and you have, you have six months, right? Just think about it. I think it'd be great. We'll fly you down there go check it out. Let us know what you think. And, um, and so that was one week later. And then like 30 days later, I get a call from my uncle and he says, you know, I've been thinking about your business plan a lot what would you think about us just partnering up and doing our own cultivation? I, I can do the construction, the build out, you do the operations, it could it, work great. Immediately said, no. Like, no, nope, not interested. Staying here in Albuquerque, I got my concessions business, it's doing great, and I'm leaving Intel, right? And he said, well, you know, just talk to a, a young entrepreneur, just like you, just talk to him, he's a good friend, his name is Anthony. And he's in the cannabis industry and he loves it, right? Give him a call. So I gave him a call, he was in Oregon at the time, and he we hit it off immediately you know i sent him my business plan and he loved it he thought it was a great idea was giving me all these pointers how the industry works he was in arizona and oregon california just doing all these different businesses in the cannabis industry i was like man this is this is interesting you know a couple weeks later i get a call from my uncle and anthony and they said hey we thought about this a lot and we really want to partner up us three Let's raise capital. Let's build a cultivation. We could do it all ourselves. What do you think? And I ended up saying yes. You know, I'm like, okay, great. Went back to Intel and said yes. I'll move to Chandler. You know, and so decided to <laughs> to transfer over to Chandler uh, for Intel. They paid for my move. They they were it was awesome. You know, and um, they I asked them for four months. I said, can you please give me four months to start my concessions business out there? which was really going to be my cannabis business. And so um, during that four months, we, us three, we beat the streets. We raised just, just under 4 million bucks in capital to build out what we needed to. We all put our money in the pot to the tune of another 2 million bucks, right? We all said, here you go. Did you just give up the concessions business or did somebody try to run it? No, you know what I did is I actually sold 50% of it to my dad. He was, he was like, this is a great business. I'll, <laughs> I'll buy it. And um, I ended up, Selling the business to him and he ran it all the way to last year. COVID shut us down. So we were 50 50 to last year. But um, I remember telling him, and you and I kind of hit it off on this story. I remember telling him that I wanted to go into the cannabis industry and he thought I was out of my mind. Out of my mind. He was like, dude, you have this cushy job at Intel. You're making six figures. They're paying you to golf every afternoon. Like, why would you want to leave this? Stay there for 20 years. You know, you're gonna love it. Forget about the business. Like, just stay there and get your retirement, right? And I was like, Dad, are you kidding me? Like, you know, I've grown up with you as an entrepreneur my whole life. You, I don't fit the mold. You know, I can't do it. And um, and he just thought I was out of my mind, right? And so, for four months before I actually started working at Intel, we, like I said, we raised the capital. We started to build out, and things were actually going well. It was working. We raised the capital easier than I thought and um, we did it through a unit structure which i'm assuming we're talking about capital raises later Mm -hmm. and so i'd love to dive into kind of the structure that we used and how it worked from that standpoint i know you talked about raising capital as well and um, and so we we raised the money we built it out and things were going well so i ended up calling intel and saying unfortunately thanks but no thanks i'm not going to take the job right and my boss was pissed you know like how could you we moved you out there we paid for everything we made it so great for you i put you on the best team you know all this and that and um i remember that moment of just pure fear you know you guys with your businesses i'm sure you felt the same there's times where it's like fuck am i doing the right thing should i be leaving this cushy job where i know i can stay here for 20 years like is this the right thing to do and um, risked it. You know, I put a, I bought a fifth wheel trailer and put it outside of the business when we were doing construction and startup and I stayed inside of there and lived there, lived on site. You know, we ended up that first year did $3 million in revenue and I thought it was awesome. You know, and I, I thought it was working. The next year seven, next year nine, next year 10, and last year up to 25 and just constantly reinvesting, reinvesting, um, building a team, sharing the vision, and um, and kind of betting on ourselves, you know, and really betting on ourselves. And now I can say I don't regret leaving Intel, but at the time, you know, I, I definitely did. And, and now I can say I, I don't regret leaving the concessions business and how that shaped out to be, but, um, you know, then I didn't, right? And so sometimes it's, it's those scary things, and I, I I really want the lesson to be learned is you know take the step, man. You only live once, right? And um, for for some of the group that's kind of thinking about scalability and expansion and um, and how to hit that next step, I think that's the moral of the story is you know work with your mentors and get to that next step, force it. You know, and you're going to be scared. You're going to have nights where you're worried that you're going to make it. The finances won't be there, and. Um, I think that's just sometimes part of the gig, you know, and especially when you're scaling. And so um, I have a lot of experience scaling a company, you know, from a million bucks to or a hundred or even 10 bucks to a couple million bucks. And then, um, you know, 3 million or 25 million. And, our, and our, our potential is now 50 million this year and next year. And hopefully uh, in 2023 will be um, potential for an exit. You know, and so we've we've had valuations around the one hundred and twenty-five million dollar mark that we've denied, and I was telling you about that earlier. You know, and that's another one of those moments where it was scary, and I I regret it today. I don't know if I'll regret it later. You know, it's really hard to turn. What's that? Just the latest one. They've worked out- <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And so it's it's the latest fear, right? And, um, and so, you know, I think, um, I think my goal now is to expand. We're currently, um, doing construction in New Mexico and, and, uh, Illinois, setting up retail shops, setting up cultivations. And, um, my current goal is to get those operating cash flowing, high net net cash flows, and hopefully, um, hopefully a a good exit. You know, I think it's ran its course and, um, it's probably about time to start looking, looking for the next step, the next scary step. Man, yeah, hold on, give it up for AJ, yeah. man. Thanks, appreciate that.